0: Are you ready to break the silence and embrace the transformative journey of perimenopause? Well, you're in the right place. We are Natalie and Lisa, your hosts, and this is the podcast that's rewriting the script on perimenopause.
1: Join us in embracing the strength within, awakening dormant power and closing the knowledge gap. We're here to inspire great health and ensure every woman is seen and heard.
0: Get ready for expert insights, relatable stories, and a community that gets it. Unleash your perimenopause power. It's time to own your story. Before we jump into today's episode, we'd love to take a moment to remind you about the survey that we are currently running, which is the need for social connection in menopause. We understand the physical changes, the hormonal fluctuations that women experience, but what we are often not talking about is the feelings of loneliness, isolation, and even that sense of loss that women can experience across this phase. We want to bring this to the forefront and we are doing so through our survey We'll pop the details of the survey into the show links, and if you can spare a couple of minutes to complete this, we would absolutely love it. Thank you so much. Now, on to today's guest. Today, we welcome Veronica Johnston. Veronica is a clinical psychologist who runs three psychology clinics in the west of Victoria. She has over 20 years experience working with children, adolescents, and their families, providing emotional, educational, and behavioral support to her clients. Veronica also has a passion for women's mental health and particularly enjoys helping women navigate change and reclaim their power in times of uncertainty. Let's get into this insightful conversation with Veronica. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another
1: episode of Perimenopause Power. It's great to have you back with us. Hi, Nat. How are you going? Hi, Lise, I am super Awesome to hear. So today we are very lucky and privileged to have another wonderful guest on the podcast and that is Veronica Johnston and welcome to you Veronica. Thank you for having me, nice to see you both. You too, you too. Well look we're going to launch right into it today and we'd love to know who is Veronica John- Johnston and what uh, what do you do and what led you into this line of work that you are doing? Yeah, who is Veronica Johnson? What a massive question um, when
2: you've lived in the world for 43 years. Um, But like in a succinct sort of overview, I guess, um, I am a clinical psychologist, um, but sort of a recent clinical psychologist, so I, I was a late studier. Um, I was a a PE teacher before I moved into psychology. Um, 2019 I I was registered psychologist and then from there I've ended up owning three psychology clinics which is pretty cool, Um, challenging but also really amazing to see all these people sort of coming together. So I own Backers Marsh Psychology Clinic, Greater Geelong Psychology Clinic, and Ballarat Psychology Clinic. Um, yeah, we've got a nice team of, of multiple like, psychologists across those different regional areas
1: that just really do some amazing work with people. Well, you sound pretty um, busy with three clinics. It is, it is. And you know, the
2: second part of that question you asked was what led me into this line of work? And I think when you're in help, when you're in t- when you're in a teaching Field, You're working with such a wide range of people and it's not just the students that are in front of you, like you're working with families at the same time. And one of the things that happened in my teaching career is is I ended up moving into like a pastoral care leadership role, which meant that I was working a lot more with um, one-on-one with families and children that were having a difficult time. And, And a lot of that was when they were moving into their teenage years. And I thought, gee, you know, if only we could support these people in a way from earlier to try and help change that trajectory rather than when they're 15 and having a really difficult time. Um, and so that's one of the reasons that I, I moved across to study psychology. Uh, and then, you know, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I was going to go back into the school system. And then it just sort of led from there and um, went into my doctorate and then out into the world of clinical psychology, which is, you know, amazing privilege to sit with people in their most vulnerable moments and hear their innermost difficulties and sort of see that profound change that can happen for some people Um, or if it doesn't just walk with them through the difficult journey that they might be on Um, so really it is as said, it's privileged it's it's a position that I think none of us take um, lightly that we're in these moments with people and holding these these difficult things with them
1: I gather that you would come across quite a lot of different people, and I love that your um, your journey into it has, you know, built, been built on life and work experience. And how, how many years study did you end up doing? Obviously, a little bit later in life, so. Yeah, I went back because i had a teaching degree. I um
2: I was able to do a bridging course into psychology. So I did like a, a one and a half years or so. Uh, um, one and a half years, I think it took me um, to bridge into my fourth year of psych. And then I did my fourth year of psychology and then three and a half years of of the doctorate. And I think if anyone had told me that before I started, I probably <laughs> actually wouldn't have done it. Um, but what I what also happened is um, <laughs> I was also trying to have a baby during this time on my own. Um, and so uh, uh, during my doctorate, I sort of had all the, these eggs and embry- all these embryos frozen. And so when I was nearly at the end of my doctorate, I was like, brilliant, I'm going to now become a mum because why not? You know, you're not busy enough yeah. as it is. Yeah. And um, and then I got pregnant and I actually lost the baby at 19 weeks. And so I was in the hospital finishing off my thesis and and when you ask why I'm in this line of work I absolutely think that the that you know I I moved into this work to work with adolescents and families and then through my own loss if that perinatal stage I was very very acutely aware of women's health as well um mm. and being a woman was anyway but I think that sort of really highlighted it and um a lot of my work since then in the psychology space has moved into grief and loss working with women through different stages of of their journey um not so much around the perinatal stage just given the how how close that sometimes is but certainly yeah. just there's a lot of There's a lot of similarities, I think, between different stages in our life and the psychological aspects of it and the psychology behind it um, when sort of change is happening and we can't control it and there's hormones happening and things are happening in our body and we're completely changing who we are in the world and how we see ourselves. And I think that that's, you know, we always use a term like finding purpose in your pain. And I think that my work in clinical psychology and and the clinics – has absolutely been born from that tragedy um, that happened at the same time at the end of my
0: studies. So thank you so much for sharing that very vulnerable conversation. And I'm sure um there's a lot of listeners who um, you know may possibly resonate that with with your story for for various reasons as well. and and you you absolutely touch on, that whole basis behind life phases and I've shared before and Lise has too around our own experience in when when I lost myself, uh, my identity in becoming a mother and, and the impact that that had On me and who I was and and yearning for something but then feeling terribly guilty because you've you've got a a baby here and you're yearning for something else but it was a real identity shift and I Mm. remember when we started moving into this work in supporting women and realizing that there's a real need for women going through the perimenopause phase I just remember thinking oh my goodness please don't tell me that I'm may or women potentially go through this again at on a different scale and and that has really driven a lot of our work too so and it's funny i did a linkedin post yesterday actually and it was um you know life phases as as a catalyst for Mm -hmm. growth potential opportunity for learning and we often say that of course when you're in the midst of perimenopause and the symptoms We may not be thinking about this as a growth opportunity and as we do when we've gone through it and come out the other side, we look and think, wow, you know what, I really did grow as a person and I really have changed Mm -hmm. and now how can I embrace this? And I assume through your line of work that you do see women who are in the perimenopause phase. What are you seeing in women that you're working with?
2: Yeah, I mean, and this is where the, the similarities come into it, isn't it, around those different? It's like you're in the midst of something that you can't control, And it's happening whether you like it or not. And, sure, there are some things that you can do um, to to help, but you're also just absolutely bombarded with information around you too and you don't know what to do. And all that information is saying that you can change this, do this, take this tablet, do this, it'll be easier. And I think it actually leads us into a space where we do try and control something that actually parts of it is out of our control Um, and in, in, so when I see people sort of in these phases, I find that, you know, sometimes they just really want life around them to stop, um, while they try and manage this really difficult time. And, you know, as we all know, life doesn't do that for us. Um, you know, especially the more connected we are with like phones and all that. So even if you went to a tropical island, now you still constant you could still be found and reached by all the people that need you. So, um, you know, I think we do have extra challenges at the moment when we're navigating these spaces um, in terms of information and, and wanting to control something that we can't. And the world continuing on and demanding a lot from us during this time when we're not necessarily feeling up, up to things and we're not necessarily feeling strong. And sometimes we're also changing who we are and how we see ourselves in the world too. And and um any time that we that we start seeing ourselves in a different light changes the way that we interact with other people, the way we interact with the world, and the way those people interact with us. So, you know, obviously it goes without saying how much the impact can have then on relationships with people around you, um, and all of that 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 comes with changes to our own identity um, and shifts. You know, I, I um, it's it's multifaceted, but one of the things is that. I think we have to just constantly remember that our body and mind can't be separated. And so when things are happening in our body, it's going to impact us, our emotional and our mental well-being. I mean, all of us at some point has been itchy, right, or sticky or, you know, and that impacts how we feel. We get irritable. You know, we're like we just want to try and change it. It's exactly that just on on a bigger scale. Um, So it's inevitable that we're going to have emotional and mental health um, that's going to impact our well-being when things are happening in our body. But you know when you touched on identity, I think what really strikes me is that we're not born with thoughts about ourselves. like we don't act, we're not actually born in the world with beliefs about who we are. Um, the, our beliefs about ourselves are shaped through our experiences in the world. And you know, we might be born into the world and at one point we we're a daughter. And then we might be a, a girlfriend, and we might be like a teacher. And then I might be a wife, and then I might be an ex-wife, um, and all of those things that are shifting my identity, how I see myself. And then I'm, you know, going to be a psychologist, and I'm going to be a mom. And then I'm not. Then I'm. Then I'm like had a baby, and I'm not. I don't have a child. And then that shifts who I see myself as. But. You know, sometimes we see ourselves as fit, as active. We see ourselves as bubbly and fun. We see ourselves as—I don't know—lazy. Um, all these beliefs that come up about ourselves, and if there's things happening in our body to us in a physical way, that means that we can't be the person that we envisage ourselves as. That's going to
1: impact our our well being as well. Um, and that's really interesting because. I mean, women are seeing such shifts in their body when they at all life cycles, right? But I find that when they hit perimenopause, they know very little about it, mm-hmm. and no mm-hmm. particular reason. The education is certainly not there, like it is probably for other things, which you know it's still short sighted for those. Another conversation, another day. But those shifts around, well, why can't I exercise like I was, or why can't I, why can't I just be like I was in my twenties and thirties, and now I'm hitting my late 30s 40s 50s beyond and there's a it, there's a real um emotional and, a, and mental not sadness but a shift in relation mm-hmm. to what do i do now from my emotional and mental capacity as to what it was back then and how i was you know the things that served me then aren't serving me now so do you see a lot of women coming through with that kind of element happening in in the yeah. practice I mean, often you hear, you know,
2: I, just, I wish I could go back to what I used to be mm. and, you know, that's, that sort of screams to me that we're grieving something, that we're grieving a loss of something and, you know, we always talk about grief, you know, in the stages of, of death. For instance, but if you think about you as a person and your identity and who you are and things that you you do in the world, is that as you do move into different stages, you leave some of those things behind you, and so it's really natural and normal to grieve parts of ourselves that we've had to leave in the past that we can't bring in I, I, that we can't bring into our future or into who we are now in the present and. You know, when we think about stages of grief, we think about bargaining, like, oh, what if I'd done this? Or what if I'd done that? Mm-hmm. And then, like, this could be happening, um, you know, or anger or sadness. And they're all really valid, I think, in this, in the peri- perimenopause stage of life as well, because we do find ourselves in that, like, oh, what if I exercise more and I went to the gym? Or, or like, what if I, 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 you know, put this music on and I slept better? Or all of these things that, um, I think which sort of puts a lot of pressure on us, right, to try and go back to who we were. And it's actually maybe we don't actually want to go back to who we were. Maybe Mm. we just have to find some acceptance of there are some losses in parts of who we are that were important to us. And the loss of those things do also create space for, for new parts of ourselves to be discovered. And I think that that's what you were mentioning before around that opportunity piece.
1: yeah Yeah, i love that you've mentioned finding acceptance in the new parts Mm. and i think that we're really i mean there's a lot out there in relation to not growing old this anti-aging sentiment sentiment and i think that really feeds into that uh, a whole lot and i mean i'm 53 it's not long till i turn 54 but i'm really loving this part of my life and learning about it but you know so many women are coming into it with those I want to be younger still, and you know. But how about we flip it around and actually look at the positiveness of it and what that can do with your emotional and mental state? But there's just yeah. so much in our everyday environment from the media, from friends, families, expectations around that that younger person or that younger you. And yeah. I really feel it's really taking a toll on that emotional, mental element. And it, so you yeah. think? Do you think sometimes we maybe idolize? idealize a little bit like what it was like as our younger self
2: too cuz i remember being in my 20s and 30s and it wasn't all amazing like no you know i'm yeah. not sure that just transporting myself back into those spaces would be uh would be a, a, an ideal solution to this either um so i think we can do that often is idealize all these things because you know we can miss them yeah. it's okay to miss those things and it's all right to to um to let them to i mean the finding acceptance for letting them go um the other part is around finding purpose isn't it um so it's like you find some acceptance around certain things that have happened in your life and the things that you can't control and then you can find some purpose mm. in this new stage as well and these new things that are happening um and that was that was certainly my my experience with Eden, like in terms of that was my baby's name. Sorry, I don't think I mentioned that earlier, but it's like, well, you know, there's this part of me that now I've lost. And I grieve that and I think about it. But you know, on the really like hard days, sometimes I actually use it for purpose too. Um, so these experiences that we've had as women in the world that can be used, but like what you two are doing with the with this, you know, with the podcast and educating and providing things with other for other women, it's like you're finding purpose in your life journey by sharing your experiences with other people in case something resonates.
0: And, and isn't that just, I feel particularly the last few months. And as we've been on the break, I've been having a lot of, you know, just personal friendly conversations with friends and family and and even strangers who have reached out to me. And there's just that Yearning for that sense of purpose and a sense of yeah. fulfillment, yeah. and I think you know, purpose I believe is what brings us back to the present moment. I don't know if you feel the same way, Veronica, but yeah. we do spend so much time remunerating on the past. We're thinking about the future. We're worrying about the future, but when we can actually come back into the present moment and be with where we are, and I believe that that sense of purpose is what grounds us in the present moment, yeah. and we're we're in that state of flow. You know, for me when. Yeah doing the work that we do, I feel like I'm just in that constant state of flow and it doesn't feel like work and that can be a trap sometimes, um, but it doesn't feel like work because you're just so passionate about it. And I think this, again, this phase of life, and of course we see this through the research in women's life cycle with their career in their forties and their fifties, this is the opportune time for their career and the time where they want to give back and they want to build on the foundations or continue building on foundations. Um, and, of course, that's intersected by perimenopause, but how can we bring both of the worlds to collide together in a mindfully, meaningfully way um, that we are nurturing, our, nurturing ourselves physically, mentally, emotionally and spiritually? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. The
2: I mean, there's so many things that just popped into my head when you were talking through that. And one of the things is that at this stage of life too is we are in our 40s and 50s and sometimes we've got parents who we're starting to need to support or things happening there. We've also might have kids or other people that we're caring for that we need to support and show up for. And then we've got career for some as well. And I think sometimes we can get caught in the let's try and do more because I'm feeling uneasy. So what else can I add? I've got to help, I've got to show up there, I've got to show up there, I've got to show up there, and you know what, I'm not getting anything from me, so I'm going to go out and do this and all of a sudden, you know, it fits in the calendar but it doesn't actually fit in your day and you're completely overwhelmed. And I think when we pare back life and we pare away the things, it's always like is it the Marie Kondo that you do that to your wardrobe or something? So, like, how do you Marie Kondo your life? Like in terms of what brings me value and purpose and connection, Um, and what's important because sometimes some of the things we still have to do and what are all the other time fillers that I'm doing that actually don't enrich my life or um, fulfill me and and can any of them just stop because you talk about present moment awareness and I one of the things I always work with people on is how do you just Because I say to people, where's time for you? And they're like, don't talk to me about time. I don't have time. You don't understand what it's like. <laughs> Actually, I'm not talking about lots and lots of minutes. I'm talking just about space. And that can be a breath. Or a, a minute just in the sun at the traffic lights. I just did it before. I was like, I'm just going to stay. I'm not going to cross this one. I'm going to wait till the next one. And I'm just going to and feel the sun on me. And it's sort of slowing everything down. It doesn't change all the stuff I have to do in the day, but it absolutely changes just that small moment of me being able to enter the rest of my day in a different way and put myself back into a space where I focus on the things that I can actually control. And it, it's a really useful exercise. I don't know if anyone listening to the, to the podcast would do this, but I, I would encourage you to, if you're ever feeling in sort of a space of distress, then there's there's something not going in line with who you want to be in the world. And I would often just draw like a circle and everything in the circle is things that are within your power um, or your control. And then outside of the circle are all these things that are not in your control that often you're trying to control. And that's where the distress is going to come from. And, you know, while changes happening to my body, um, the way other people view me, um, my parents being sick, my child not wanting to go to school, finance, some of those things are out of of your control. And if you're in distress and irritability, you might be like, I might be stuck outside of the circle because I'm just constantly focusing on the news, right, like the world news at the moment. I can't control any of that. If I'm just constantly focusing on it, I'm going to feel uneasy. So what can I do? I can't change any of that but I can notice I'm in high distress and I can step back into the circle and go, well, right now what can I control? I can control that I can drink a bit more water today or that I can have a healthy lunch. I can control turning the TV off. I can control having a couple of breaths, texting a friend. I can control which doctor's appointments I go to. Like am I going to listen to the you know, I mean, my Facebook feed's filled with it since I've turned 40, like take this medication, get rid <laughs> of the bloat, your hormonal bloat, buy this, you know. So, I mean, you get sucked in, right, to all these mm. things that look like an easy fix. So do I continue to engage in those things or do I go, I might go and, like, see my, my doctor and just see what they recommend and then I might, you know. So, like, actually get information that's that's useful information, educate myself. Talk to my friends about it. Like, who am I going to surround myself with? So all of that's within your control. Um, and I guarantee that if you step back into the circle and you focus time on things that you have within your power, within your
1: hands, you
2: will feel more settled, even for a moment.
1: Yeah. I love that circle analogy. And, and I great. know that, um, Veronica, where you and I first met last year, an event that we were both uh, guest speakers at um uh you talked about that circle and i just thought oh my god that is such a beautiful simple analogy that people can pick up in their every day to even keep them on track and you could start your day looking at that circle and breathing and you know just understanding what that looks like for you and keeping it really simple so i'm glad you shared that actually with well, our listeners yeah
2: because it's um you know, we try and sometimes uh, control how people around us feel, right? Like I, I keep everything clean and then that person in the house will be happy. Or if I do that, then that person will be happier. And we, we get into these, these traps, I think, where we are trying to control things that are out of our control. It can get, it can get spiral pretty quickly. And I sometimes actually step, you know, like take the step, remind yourself that you're there and just step over something and be like, that's right, now I'm back into this circle. Because yeah. physical movement, you know, it's actually really important in terms of the connection with our, our brains and how we think. So um, have a go that. at it. Okay? Yeah. Honestly, believe in it.
0: I love yeah. that so much. And actually, I saw Ed Middleton live last night and he it was all about the fear bubble. And he actually talked about, you know, stepping into that fear bubble. So physically step into it and feel the emotion that you're feeling and then take the action. And you're so right that it is. It's it's about tricking our mind in a sense and training our brain, and you know, not seeing that everything that's in our thoughts as being true um, or wrong. But yeah, it's just it's it's doing what you need to do and taking the action. And as you said, that mind body connection we we can't re- we can't remove it. And I often talk about that mind heart and gut connection and how that is is our existence and and bringing all of them into alignment in some way. But um, but yeah, beautiful beautifully said. Um, conscious of time for you, but I'd love to know, obviously you've shared just such a beautiful tip there. Is there any other um, simple tips that perhaps you could share with our listeners? Um, I mean, there's a few, and if everyone just sort of takes
2: one thing away, that would be amazing. And the, so the circle of control, I think is a great one, but the other one is just finding that time to, you know, one day I'm driving home from work and notice that like, I'm like this on the steering wheel. I'm like, how long have I been like that for today? You know, I haven't even noticed that I was feeling that tension. And then and you can sort of help release a little bit like that. But I think that we can be super critical of ourselves, trying to, you know, punish ourselves into being better, doing something different, changing something, and, and finding a little bit of kindness and compassion. And, and there's a, always this question, and it's like, what would you tell a friend? Like if your friend had just told you the situation of where you're in, what would you tell them? Mm. And I bet it's not like, you know, look at your stomach, it's really fat, like you look disgusting, you can't even do what you used to do. Like you would never do that to a friend. And we do it to ourselves all the time. So what would I tell a friend? I'd say, hey, it's okay. Do you know that all of us are feeling that way? Just no one talks about it. Mm. Um. Like, what do you need right now? What would you do for yourself that's kind? You know, have a, have a bath, have a cup of tea, um, go for a walk, get some sun. So that would be normalising and finding compassion would absolutely be um, another thing. And, and, and lastly, I touched on it before and we can't change what our days are sort of involving in the busyness of it, but we can change how we show up in it. And one of the things that's really powerful, um, and I do it sometimes on my morning walk with my dog, because you know, you have to walk your dog of the morning or they get or he's getting cranky at me. So I just take mm-hmm. him for a little walk outside and I'm like, all right, today's got a lot in it. Who do I want to be today? Um, you know what? I just want to I wanna smile at a few people and I wanna show and I want to be friendly. And if that's all I do all day and that's my focus you know, and all the stuff will still be there. It'll still be busy and there'll still be all these things. But if I can center myself and re, realign myself with who I want to be in the day and at the end of that crazy busy day when it's all happened and unfolded, I can say, hey, do had some nice conversations with some people? And when that happened, I managed that really well. Um, I, that really helps me. Um, done that for the
1: last couple of years.
0: Mm. Oh, beautiful, love them.
1: I think they're all great tips and, um, you know, and I think that perhaps our listeners probably know of them but they're not using them. Yeah. And that's because we get so caught up in that busy, busy day and, you know, just regrounding. And, look, one thing that Nat's definitely, Nat's all for the breath. Um, it's one of her pet beautiful things that she loves. And she, you know, and I've got the benefit of working with Nat, but uh, she's really taught me just, you know, before you get out of the car, each time, just stop and have a breath. And it's really powerful, like very powerful. And I I find in life, sorry,
2: I don't know, we're probably going over time. I find in life too, is when we need those things the most, that's when they go. Yes. And we don't prioritize them. And it's like, you know, when we're going, okay, we might fit these things in and we're feeling really good about ourselves. And then, you know, disaster strikes and all those things that are actually fueling us go out the window. I don't have time to do that. It's like, Absolutely you do just mm. <laughs> take a breath so um and that's yeah so true
1: so Veronica we're coming to the end and we ask this question of all of our um guests yeah so the podcast is all about find a power and finding nurturing and using our personal power as we transition through life phases in perimenopause and beyond we'd like to know from your experience how have you come into your own power well, I, uh... I was
2: saying to someone the other day, I, like, there's no way that I would have the businesses, the clinics, my my work, the, the intense depth of friendship and connection that I have with people around me, if I hadn't have gone through losing Eden when I did, mm. um, it like opened up this part of me, this like depth of feeling and emotion. And like, you really know you're living, you know, when you're in these sorts of situations. And now it's like, I don't always feel like that. Like I would be going insane if I always felt that intensely of things. But the number of days that I'm like, all right, who would Eden have wanted you to be today? How would she have been proud of you to show up today? That's something I use a lot in terms of um, driving my purpose, I suppose, and, and finding my own um, power. Um, connect. So I, I guess connecting to important things for me is where I do that and trying to notice if I do get stuck outside of the circle because if, Those things are going to happen. I can't do anything about it. It's important to, I'm going to check in with them because I want to know if I'm just about to go bankrupt, for instance, but Mm. um, i probably, there might not be anything I can do about it. I'm going to step back into the circle and focus on the things I can do something about if I'm going to have power in my life. Um, Yeah.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I love that. So good. Um, thank you so much for your wonderful insights and your personal story. And your passion absolutely radiates through. And um yeah, I think we're we're very lucky to have your expertise and insights in in not just community but coming onto our podcast as well. So, Veronica, where can our listeners connect with you? Yeah, well, first, thank you for having me. It's a it's lovely to
2: see these networks created for women because um, we are experiencing life stages that, that are tricky and we don't need to do them on our own. So thank you for creating this space for people and I hope everyone's got something out of, out of today. Um, so I'm at the clinics. The best way if you want to contact me is through the clinics, um, just veronica at backersmarshpsychology.com.au, you know, veronica at greatergeelongpsychology.com.au. Um, Veronica at Ballarat psychology clinic.com.au um, but absolutely the websites you can go on the websites you can contact through the websites of the clinics that's probably the best way um, I you know I didn't want to come on here and do this like self-promotion plug thing um, but you know if people are experiencing something and they want a little bit of help just reconnecting to their purpose and their values and and finding a way of um, you know helping themselves through this changed time. Um, and just someone to listen and normalize and validate if you don't have that space in your life. Psychologists, counselors, any mental health professionals, like absolutely they're worth they're worthwhile connecting with, um, so you can have the space for that for yourself. And it doesn't have to be in our clinics. you know, we're obviously in certain locations, but there's a lot of merit, you know, I think. Um, we all deserve support networks.
0: Beautifully said. Thank you so much. thanks Thanks for having me see you
1: guys thanks for tuning in to perimenopause power if you found today's episode empowering don't forget to hit that subscribe button your journey through perimenopause just got a whole lot brighter
0: and of course we'd love to hear your thoughts so leave us a review your feedback helps us empower even more women on this transformative journey until next time keep embracing your perimenopause power